0: That was wonderful singing this morning. Erica really enjoyed that song this morning. Uh, young people can make their way out to junior church at this time. Our young people can make Bambinos and the Gumshoes out there with Mrs. Weierbach and uh, I think Mrs. Harnett as well. So the rest of you can turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 on this uh, Palm Sunday. <clears throat> I love Palm Sunday. Normally I'd preach a Palm Sunday message, but Finishing up our series and felt this is what the Lord have us to do, but as Brother Russ mentioned, we certainly can say you know he has risen, risen okay on uh, Palm Sunday as well, and we are thankful for the resurrection and today we remember the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ there in Jerusalem to be our uh, our Passover lamb and so uh, as Pastor Danny mentioned, and appreciate Pastor Danny, he does so much. He does all this stuff, like the little cards and all the cool stuff that happens around here. Really, it's him that makes all that happen. Uh, I don't know how to do that other than to get like a mimeograph machine. <laughs> Some of you are going, what's a mimeograph machine? Uh, All the the educators go, remember that, you know, the stinky, and the ditto machine when they're doing it, and it had that stinky smell, the paper came out all kind of damp and like wet rag, you know, and you... Okay, some of you are remembering that. You go, what are you talking about? Yeah, all right, good. I got a few hands in here and know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, that that would be my technology level. But uh, thank you, Pastor Danny, for putting that together and uh, appreciate y'all being here on this uh, this Palm Sunday. I will, who's cameraman back there this morning? Who's cameraman? All right, I'm going to move a little bit. Hopefully, if I can go down the stairs. And if I don't go down the stairs and I go down the stairs the way I don't want to go down the stairs, I'd like to have it on camera, okay? Because um, it, it'd be funny. It'd be funny. So, um, you know, I'll, in advance, DT, I'm going to fall down there and right into you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll come down on this side then. Maybe. Uh, and then <laughs> That's awesome. All right, First Peter chapter 5. Today we're going to... Lord willing, finish our series on anxiety. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, I know it's been a series we've gotten a lot of feedback on because all of us deal with anxiety to some uh, level or another. And we've gone through 1 Peter chapter number 5. We're going to, actually it's kind of grading me with the last three verses, the closing thing I have, it's not in the series, but I'm sure I could study it and find some application there. Maybe I will. I don't know because it just kind of irks me not to finish all of them. But Uh, We are going to get close here today. Uh, You remember that our text verse was verse number seven where the Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And that is the uh, right in the middle of the chapter. It's been our text and how we can cast anxiety at the feet of our Savior and deal with it on a week to week basis. Last week we looked at how can we battle anxiety in verses eight and nine where we are told to be sober and to be vigilant. And in verse. Nine, uh, that we're to resist steadfast in the faith because as verse 8 tells us we have an adversary uh, Satan as he walks about roaring and uh, I know last week nobody remembers what I said last week other than everybody told me this week they thought it was funny that I got peed on by a tiger so I appreciate that you remember that Um, You know, nobody remembers uh, what Pastor Danny talked about on how principles of debate, but they do remember that grumpy dog is a better place to eat than Taco Bell. We did establish that a few weeks ago, and if you don't know about that, click up on the corner here, 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 and we'll put a link to it, but uh, that was a great, great message by Pastor Danny. Uh, But we've been reminded that we are to be sober, be vigilant, and we're to be resisting and uh, today, as we finish this up, maybe as the scripture lays out here, the maybe this is the best for last, uh, because I, I put a pretty aggressive title there, The Cure for Anxiety, and I didn't do it lightly, because I know that's a big statement, and I hope and pray this will be a blessing. Now, I did put in my notes that today's uh, biblical principle is a cure and not a vaccine. Amen. Come on, that's funny. That's funny, Hi if you're watching online wasn't that funny it's a cure it's not a vaccine I remember the the woman that was uh, had all the issue of blood that the Bible records back in Mark chapter number 5 verse 26 a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered there's a really right word suffered many things of physicians how true how true is the Bible not relevant to today and spent all that she had and there was nothing better but grew worse and Everybody who's been a lot of doctors says the only difference is today we have universal medical coverage, along with five and ten thousand dollar deductibles. Yeah, I can tell the people who actually uh, pay deductibles and know yeah, it's so great to have insurance, isn't it? And then ten grand come out of your pocket. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Obama. All right, there's my politics for the day. Um, but today I'm going to give you a hundred percent guarantee. If if this biblical medicine is applied, it works, and I think it's a cure for anxiety. So, with that in mind, we pick things up in our verse by verse in verse number ten of our First Peter chapter five, where the Bible says, "But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen." settle you. Let me have a word of prayer and then let's jump into this this morning. Lord, it's been good to be here today uh, to be reminded of how amazing you are and also that you are worthy and we're so thankful that you uh, came and took our place and offer us eternal life through simple faith and your finished work. God, I pray for all of us as we live this road. Life is difficult. We live in very dark days as Pastor Danny or Brother Joe mentioned earlier, Um, but uh, give us the just give us the strength to be a bright light in these dark days. And God, as we oftentimes deal with very heavy levels of anxiety and fear and panic, um, Lord, I pray that your word would be a source and that your strength in our life would help us to shine even brighter in these dark days. So help us to see principles that can apply to each of us individually. Thank you, Lord, that you can use a flawed vessel like myself as I do my best to present the perfect word of God in jesus name amen and amen notice verse number 10 says but the god of all grace don't you love grace And I love grace. Now, we focused on this a little earlier in our our series. Uh, Matter of fact, the one I entitled Getting Over Anxiety or Getting Over on Anxiety, back in verse 5 and 6. Remember there at the end of verse 5, it says, For God resists the proud, but gives grace uh, to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Remember we saw my favorite quote in that particular message was, the core of that message was, To get over, you got to get under. To get over, you got to get under. You need to be under the mighty hand of God in the place that you ought to be if you want to deal and get a handle on anxiety in your life. So I put in my notes, so grace is the cure for anxiety, right? No. Um, (laughs) No. I got some people that, that was a trick question. If you're watching online, I got some. I think I heard Matt Swafford over there. I think I heard, I know that voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I love grace. Now, matter of fact, here's the truth. You know, I first began med- meditating on these verses a couple weeks ago and working on this outline. I actually wrote an entire outline with grace being my primary focus. And then I set it down for a day. If you don't know, one of my dear friends passed away this week and we had some things go on. And so I, I had to kind of break my normal pattern and set some things aside. When I got back to it, um, I came with a fresh perspective and I started to work on the outline and the Holy Spirit said to me, no, you got it wrong. No, you got it wrong. Now I had a little argument with the Holy Spirit I know you never do that, but every now and then I said, Lord, I think I see this pretty clear. And Lord said, no, I don't think you do. Uh, and I said, no, I think I do. It's a pretty good outline. I've already got it written. Why would I want to start all over again? And he said, well, I'm not asking if you want to start all over again. I'm telling you you got it wrong. I said, okay, Lord, I guess I got it wrong. So I started all over again. Uh, I, the Holy Spirit said, no, grace is not the cure. Read it again. So I did. I didn't understand. So I thought to myself, what would I do? So what I did, as a matter of fact, I think I actually brought it somewhere here. Maybe, oh, yes, I did bring it with me. Uh, little pieces of paper by my nightstand. You know, pearl of wisdom here. You know, if you have a great idea in the middle of the night, you think to yourself, I'll remember it in the morning. No, you won't. So, you know, wake up and write it down right then and there. And all the old people said, amen. Yeah, amen. You know, I know when you're young, you say, oh, I remember. Well, yeah, well, I'm no, I don't even remember remembering, so I don't know if I ever did. But here's my little piece of paper, and, and I what I did is I diagrammed the sentence. Now, I think, Allie took a picture of this so you can see. <laughs> Nerd with a capital N right here. Um, you know, I was an English minor, and actually this, if my... If my uh, my college English professor uh watching. Actually, I diagrammed it incorrectly. This is actually incorrect. I had to redo it because as I studied, I go, "That's not that. That doesn't where that goes." But uh, it's a picture of what I did. Matter of fact, I, I wanted to do it so bad, I went farther than that. And I not only diagrammed it in English, but then I went into the Greek and I diagrammed it in the Greek. My Greek professor would be happy with me doing that. That's right. I, I did that, and I will tell you. If they ever told you in high school, it doesn't matter if you can diagram sentences, it does. It helped me out a lot, because after I did that diagram, I went, bling, I see it now. Because... The subject of verse number 10 of the subject of that sentence, and by the way, it is a what we refer to in the English as a complex sentence because it has one independent clause with at least one or more dependent clauses. You put that together, that makes it a complex sentence. Now, if it had two independent clauses and two or more dependent clauses, it'd be a compound complex sentence. I figure if you're watching online, if they, they understand this, you know, downhill from here, we got, we got it made, uh, Um, I I diagrammed it and the the subject of the sentence in verse number 10 is but the God of all grace of all grace is a prepositional phrase modifying the subject which is the word God theos God grace is not the cure for anxiety God is oh that's good Grace is not the cure for anxiety God is, but the God of all grace. Woo. Who, notice we read on, doesn't say grace hath called us, who God hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Then notice the next verse, if you want to put this in finality, to grace be glory and dominion forever and ever. Is that what it says? No. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, grace, if I were to ask you this morning and say, well, what is, what is grace? I think most of us would use a, a very common phrase, which is a good one. Grace is unmerited favor. Uh, in the Old Testament, probably the best word for grace is the word loving kindness. Uh, but the reality about grace is uh, someone like myself I can give grace. now, I'm not real good at it, but I and I should do it. You know, Matt Swafford can give grace. Um, Brock, okay, let's find somebody else. Jason can give grace. Um, <laughs> even d. T. might be able to give grace. See this morning, I thought. Is a demonstration of unmerited favor, of loving kindness that I would give a gift to DT this morning. Now my legs are stuck; I can still feel them, so I don't think I'm going to fall over on you this morning. That that would happen a little bit later. So I brought I brought a little gift this morning just for just for DT and. Where's the Auburn fans? You know. I want some boo in going on here. Where's the Auburn fan said? boo? And I'm, I'm a Florida fan, so I don't, you know, I don't know what we say. Icky, Icky, Icky. I don't know what we say. No, we say Tebow, Tebow. Um, now, I tried, DT, to find one that would stick on your chair here, and I couldn't find one with a clamp. This thing here is supposed to, like, clip on your side of your door, but I thought it would go right there in your shirt. I got, I got you know, and uh, you got something to say. See, now it's at half-mast. Yeah, that's for the NCAA tournament. You want me to leave? I thought okay you This is a hug. All right. I love you, brother. <laughs> See, grace is unmerited favor and loving kindness and I can show grace. And if you really knew me and some of you do, I'm really not that graceful of a person. I'm a partial graceful person. Now we as Christians should be grace givers and boy the church would be a lot better place if the church members, if we as believers were focused on giving grace and not always just wanting everybody else to give us grace. But even an like, imperfect person like me can give grace so my grace is a partial grace at best. God's grace on the other hand is the root from which all other lesser grace flows. Isn't it? Verse 10 says, but the God of all grace. Not a little bit, not partial, but all. And you know that... uh, uh, we saw in the beginning of anxiety where did it rise out of from original sin and Adam and Eve there in the garden and the fear and the shame and the hiding and the panic that, that uh, Adam and Eve felt that we, you and I, uh, to this very day still feel as we go through life, as they felt that they're in the Garden of Eden, this perfect location, yet they still had anxiety. And all why? Because we, they and we chose sin and rebellion. And who offered the cure? God did. You know the verse, Genesis 3, 15, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That God said, I'm going to send through you, Eve, a Messiah that is going to pay the price for your sin and deliver you from all sin and return you to that state minus anxiety. You see, and who is that cure Who is that Messiah? You and I know. Romans 5.15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Just as one man, Adam, plunged all of us into sin, so one man, Jesus Christ, gives us the opportunity to be restored to a perfect standing before God. Ooh, that's good. So God in our lives is the cure for anxiety. Let me say that again. God in our lives is the cure for anxiety. God is the cure. Now in this verse, number 10 in particular, um, we see uh, the, the, the framework of how this cure comes together or describing it, God is the cure. Number one, notice he's an eternal cure notice the Bible says but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus you know we live our lives our daily lives day to day with very little thought of eternity that's one of the you know you ever heard anybody say you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good ever heard that phrase I would say to most Christians we're so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good we 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 get uh, just into the minutia of life of the doctors' appointments and the soccer games and the work responsibilities and the church responsibilities and the marriage things and the bills that have to be paid and the problems and the conflicts in our life that we go through and we one on the other and pretty soon the anxiety and the pressure begins to mount and we recognize and at least if you're smart, you do. You realize you're not enough. That the demands and issues of life are bigger than me. They really are. And sometimes when I'm really focused on the issues of, of this life and anxiety is weighted upon me, it, it, it seems like a monster that cannot be defeated. There are problems and many things in our life, we use the, the word in the psychology world, the triggers that that can come in our in our day-to-day life that trigger anxiety in our life. Maybe it's certain words, maybe it's certain circumstances and, and that, that monster's defeated us so many times that when we run into it, we already, as soon as it happens, we just, that all comes back on us and we're overwhelmed. But Peter wants to remind us and God wants to remind us that... Um, God has called, if you're a child of God this morning, if you're a believer, He's called us unto His eternal glory. Eternal glory. Do you remember when God brought to your heart and the Holy Spirit said to you that you are a sinner standing before a holy God? Maybe it was in a kids' program where some wonderful Bible teacher in our kids' program, your kids' program you grew up in, that that told you how that all of us had sinned and you'd lied and you'd broken God's law and, and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, yeah, that's you. You're, you're, you. You have done wrong. You have lied. You have stolen things. You've had bad thoughts and the Holy Spirit says, yep, that's you. Maybe depending on the presentation that was made and to me if it's a complete one, it tells us because of our sin, we are going to be separated from God not just in this life, but for all eternity. That our sin problem separates us from the opportunity to live with God in heaven forever and ever, and that you and I, if we do not get our sin problem fixed, we are not equipped to live with a holy God. And so when we die, instead of going to live with a holy God, we go to a place of separation from God that the Bible calls a place called hell. And I don't know all the ins and outs and there's great theological debate and all the the theology of hell and that, but all I know is it's not going to be a great place. And sometimes we as Christians lose sight of the fact that at some point in your life, you are just one breath, just one heartbeat away from that awful place. And once you're there, there's no way out. There's no way to fix it. There's no way to get around it. Apart from Christ, you and I were headed for eternal anxiety. And that's using anxiety very, very heavy as I can. But God. And one of my favorite passages of scriptures is found in Ephesians chapter 2. And most of y'all, I use Ephesians 2, 8, 9 a lot because they're tremendous Bible verses. But Boy, let me give you, um, really, the, the, that, that whole chapter is so awesome. I, I, sometimes we who believe in the free gift of eternal life and uh, believe that God offers it to all men um, surrender these chapters to our Calvinist friends. But Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, there's that but God again, who is rich in mercy for his great love where he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, we were separated from God by our sins. Hath quickened us together by, with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast amen those are tremendous scriptures you realize what he's saying we were dead in sin headed to a, a separation from God for all eternity because of my sin but because of what Jesus Christ did he died on a cross and he offers me eternal life and then he rose from the dead to secure that, that resurrection of promise and eternity in heaven and now you and I because of what Christ did we can receive by simple faith that simple gift say yes God I want it yes God I want to receive it I recognize I, I'm a sinner, but you died for me. And, and when, we, when we receive that, God says, now for ages to come, I'm going to live with you in glory with no anxiety. And I'm so glad, by the way, that the gift that God gives is eternal. Another one of my favorite verses, John 10, 28, Jesus says, but I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man, and in the Greek even myself, I cannot remove myself either, pluck them out of my Father's hand. When you got saved, God did not give you probationary life. And anybody who tells you that you can commit some sin or willful sin or you don't produce enough fruit so you're not really, you must not really be a a believer, blah, 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 blah. All they're doing is undercutting what the word eternal means. God is the cure and it is an eternal cure. Secondly, as we go on in our verse, not only is he an eternal cure, he is an eternal cure, he is a temporal cure. Right? Notice in verse number 10, we go on. He says, Who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. After that you suffered a while. Yes, God is an eternal cure, but right now you and I are still living in this broken body, the Paul calls and the Bible calls our flesh, and I struggle. In my flesh, still that contains my old nature and my sin, how to fight and deal with anxiety. And by the way, you say, Well, I must be a really bad person, or I must, I may, maybe I'm not really even saved because I have all these battles and anxiety. If I really was saved, I wouldn't have any anxiety, I'd be able to win every battle. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul didn't feel that way. Romans chapter 7, Paul says, For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Paul wrestled with this whole idea too is I want to do the right thing and I know I should, but boy, sometimes it gets the better of me because this flesh is strong. You see, in this life, we and you and I will suffer. Whoever told you differently, it just, Frost my bacon. Can you frost bacon? <laughs> I was watching some guy the other day that a friend of mine is mixed up with, and he was a prophet. He was prophesying. You know, might be like me going down here and go, I'm getting a word of prophecy here to DT. You know, here's my word DT, you struggle walking. Come on, that, that, you don't, that, he's in a wheelchair. Bunch of frauds that get on TV and sell people's dreams and hopes on a bunch of fake stuff. No. Life in this broken body and in this broken world is hard and hurtful. Peter, earlier in this very letter, in First Peter, this letter to these believers who were undergoing persecution and a lot of suffering, remember what he said? Just, Back in chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, though some strange thing had happened unto you. They're like telling him all his problems, and Peter goes, Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> what do you think this is strange? Second Peter chapter 3 says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All of us in this life, regardless if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you're going to suffer. Whether you're a, a faithful Christian with a living faith or you're a Christian with a dead faith. And by the way, that's very possible. And you say, how is that possible? I bet you did it. I did it. Yeah, It's very possible in the in the sense that I'm not actively living my faith. That there been a season of my life and maybe in your life where you took your faith and you were maybe a little disillusioned with God and things didn't go the way and you kind of set your faith on the side and you weren't really committed to what God wanted you to do. You weren't seeking God's direction. We've all been there. Regrettably, thank you, Nick, and well said. Every time I look back in those arrows of my life, I say, "What was I thinking?" And I say, "Well, I wasn't thinking." But. I'm so thankful that he is still there. And although the Bible says in Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Yeah, the Lord allows suffering in this life. And by the way, I'm getting a little older and I would submit to you, the only way we really learn and the only way that one of the most effective way God gets our attention is through the problems in life. I think if most of us, if we didn't have problems in our life, we'd blow God off every, every day. But when the big problems come, somehow we seem to be seeking God a little bit more. Which is better for us? No problems in living independent of God? Or problems in seeking God? Well, I think I know what side of that God came down. It's what drives us to our knees and to our Savior. And I'm so thankful the Bible says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I'm so thankful Psalm 61, one of my favorite verses of Scripture, verses 1 and 2, to hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, that's good stuff. Now I know what you're saying. Because I I know what you guys are thinking. I'm, I'm prophesying again here. Some of you think, hey, I prayed and God didn't seem to be there. You know what? There's been a lot of times in my life when I've cried out to God and I've been really overwhelmed. And from my physical senses, I couldn't tell God was there or not. You're not alone in that. Why would God do that? Because you know at some point when when it's all alone and you're going to have to come down to this fundamental truth, am I going to believe what God says about himself and he's proved himself over and over at a time when I don't feel him and I don't, I've prayed and God didn't answer my thing so he must not be there so I'm just giving up on God. No, God is testing you. Do you believe him? Real faith strong faith occurs not when I can see and understand it all and say, oh, it makes sense to me. Boy, my faith is great. No, it's when I can't feel it and I don't see it and I'm in the dark and the anxiety is overwhelming me and I I give to Satan and he don't like it, by the way. Give him Psalm 61. He don't like that one. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And maybe you spend hours, and boy, I have been there and some of you else have, where I've cried out to God for quite a while, just give me another breath, God, or else take my last breath. One or the other, either way is good with me, but just keep crying out to God till you get through the anxiety you say whoa, 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 whoa I don't think I can do that well, well then what's your option your option stinks a lot worse than mine because I have found living in this planet for a few decades that God's way is best he's a temporal cure Aren't you glad that the Bible says that he's our, he's our shepherd? You know, again, I don't give this scripture lightly or just because it's a great verse of scripture, I give it because I think it makes a lot of application here when it comes to anxiety. This is another scripture I'd keep close. Psalm 23, the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Drop the mic on anxiety. You see, it's a, God is an eternal cure. He's a temporal cure. And then lastly, this morning, he's a practical cure. Notice at the end of verse number 10. After you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. By the way, that's where I was initially making my, how grace, the work of grace perfects us, establishes us, strengthens us, settles you. And I went and studied all those words, but, uh, you know, they're, they're very similar words, but, the God of all grace, notice it says he is the one that makes you perfect. You couldn't earn it on your own. He had to do it. Jesus did it there at the cross. And then the great exchange, he takes my sin. God imparts to me his righteousness. And now in my judicial standing before God, I'm perfect. Ta-da. Now in my flesh, <laughs> not so much. Um, and he says, When we suffer, and we will for a short time, but God takes our weaknesses and our battles with anxiety, and through those battles, he makes us spiritually mature, he makes us unwavering in our faith, he strengthens our spiritual giftedness, and he settles us on a firm foundation, which is Him. First Corinthians chapter three. No other foundation can any man lay that is laid that is Christ Jesus. Remember in John fifteen, the Jesus and teaching on the vine and abiding in the vine. Jesus was talking to believers there. That, that another chapter that gets so taken and applied in ways that in his context it was not. You know your story of the last hours of our Lord before he was arrested. Um, you know that Judas had already left. And so when he went to the garden and he gave the, the I am the vine, you are the branches message... Judas Iscariot was not there. It was all believers. But Jesus said, If you want, if if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. It's an absolute. If you abide in me, Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, will produce fruit. But we must abide. What do you mean, Pastor? That means you've got to stay steady and consistent in what you know God wants you to do most Christians live this roller coaster I'm in I'm out I'm in I'm out you know I'm mad at God I'm not mad at God and they're in and they wonder why they're not getting victory in some areas of their life or at least learning how to endure the sufferings of this life because Jesus said if you abide, abide in me you're going to produce fruit. Now, there's a lot of debate on what that fruit is, but everybody agrees to some extent in the life of the believer, according to Galatians and Colossians, that when when the Holy Spirit of God produces fruit in us, it comes out as love and joy and peace and gentleness and temperance. Now, that kind of sounds like a cure for anxiety to me. He is the cure, the only cure. You see, your walk with God must be practical it must relate to your day-to-day life. That's what real living faith is. Unfortunately, many Christians go to churches. A matter of fact, I won't name the church, but it's a big church, national, it's in New York City that, you know, just been one scandal after another. And um, apparently, you know, the church, because they were, you know, but this was not in my notes. This is free and I'm going to offend somebody here, but that's okay. All right? Um, Go ahead, thank you, Dorothy. I got Dorothy's permission. I'm going to do it. Maybe, maybe I'm going to out defend you. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You're on. Dorothy's one of our originals, so she got you know gold star. Um, apparently, this church, you know, they were all about their music, and they were all about the big crowds and the thousands and thousands of people and all the notoriety, blah, 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 blah. But apparently there's a lot of immorality going on in all the church leadership. And apparently the church, you know, to, to reach people was literally renting out the bars in the area and renting out the bars and having an open bar for anybody who wanted to come. And then half their church was hooking up with each other. Yeah. That don't get me started on the alcohol. You know how I feel about it. Um, you can't come to church on Sunday morning and say, ooh, I'm going to sing the songs. And, you know. No, you should come, and it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, I certainly was not a perfect parent, and my daughter's back there, and I know I'm over because I've added to the sermon here. But I think both my kids... And our Taza and Oliver, as well, all in our house, live in our house, would tell you that I was not a different person Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Saturday than I was Sunday. I was just as imperfect on Sunday as I was on Monday. <laughs> but if you, as a parent, think that your kids don't see, you're vacillating, and that your faith doesn't really touch your real life, you are being deceived they see it and know it. And it can't be just talk, talk, talk. Your faith gets really applied when the anxiety and the panic attack hits. You say, you mean I'm always going to win? No, sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to be like me and I'm going to get the big heavy blanket and I'm going to put my head underneath and I'm going to tell Jenny, do not pull this blanket off me for fear of your right arm. Um, I'm, i wouldn't. And she does it anyway. And then she drags, As I told you last week, she grabs me by the ankle and drags me out into the sunlight. And I go, oh, it's nice out here. Because um, I'm looking up at the sky because she's clubbed me down there. And I'm going, get over here. <laughs> cure for anxiety. Just call Jenny. She'll cure it for you. Um, let me stop with this this morning. All these things are good. And that's why Peter ends this, this paragraph in verse 11 by saying to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The glory belongs to him not me. You know anxiety at its core is a me problem. Ooh, this is not going to be popular either. I'm about to offend you again. But the reality is when we are full of anxiety and panic really the focus is Me. I can't deal with this. I'm afraid. What do other people think of me? On and on. Me, 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 me. Now we don't see it at the time and I'm just as guilty. Please don't want to raise my hand. Oh, please don't. You know, I'm in, I'm in that crowd and even, if, even when I'm trying to handle it right, it's still a me problem in the sense that it's my sin nature and my flesh that's producing some of this stuff. So it's a me problem. When we get focused on bringing glory to God forever and ever, then we get the eyes off me and on to him, and that is a great path to having dominion over anxiety in this life because at its core, when I'm overcome with anxiety, it has dominion. It's telling me when I can get up. It's telling me where I can go. It's telling me where I can't go. It's telling me who I can talk to and who I can't talk to. The anxiety has the dominion, and Peter says, let the glory and dominion be God's forever and ever. Amen. Starting now. Who has dominion in your life? Does the glory of God have dominion? Or does your fear and your anxiety? Because you can't have them both. To him be glory and dominion forever. Now I had an illustration all set out, but then one of y'all gave me another, a good one, and since Dorothy, you're already on my team this morning, um, I'll, I'll pick on you more because you put it on a Facebook, it's a public forum, and there it goes. I had a great illustration. Well, it was okay illustration, it was great, but I like this one better. Remember the other night we had that thunderstorm and the, th- the lightning, boom, it hit us hard. We had some, man, It had some thunder boomers there just a few days ago, and I saw that uh, Stacy actually posted a, a, a Facebook uh, post she got her I don't know isn't it I don't know what it was a text message I these young people screenshot our text messages old people do you know they do that I, I, I'm telling you now they now it says you can edit it I, I'm just totally lost I, I'm just gonna swear off texting altogether because it ends up here on the big screen mom had sent daughter after this terrible storm you know, like my daughter does to me. She doesn't send me one text. It goes, bzing 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 I'm still trying to get back to the first text. Would you young people like do a five-minute timeout? If you're texting anybody over the age of 40, please give us a minute. I had to get that off my chest. It was giving me anxiety. But this is what Dorothy said in her first text. God is so powerful, and boy, nothing like a lightning strike that reminds you how weak and pathetic we really are, isn't it? Then, zoom, second one. He could destroy this whole earth if he wanted to. True that. <laughs> then she said, third text, I am sure he's not happy with things down here. Double true that. But then I love her last one. But he is also patient and loving God who only wants the best for us and that is heaven. A lot of wisdom from a mom. Amen? Amen. He, God, is the cure for anxiety. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. Thank you for the attentiveness of your people, and Lord, I pray that if there's one here this morning that's just overwhelmed and anxiety and been defeated over and over again, that they would recognize uh, the need to work on their relationship with you. Maybe I'm talking to somebody online or somebody here that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You've never established a relationship with God, so uh, it's impossible for Him to give you victory in these areas. And my dear friend, if that's you, if you're unsure if you're on your way to heaven, um... The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you just trust him? The Bible says he died for your sin and then he rose again that he could offer you a gift, this gift of forgiveness and eternal life if you'd simply by faith say, yes, Lord, I want to receive it and I believe by faith you'll give it to me. Would you do that this morning? But how about it, dear Christian? Maybe anxiety's just been taking you on a roller coaster in life. Um... Maybe this morning what you need to do is talk with God and reestablish that connection with him. Maybe there's something in your life that you know is not right, doing things you know you ought not do. Would you just confess it to him and let him restore that relationship that you'd be closer to him? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness and that your mercy and grace is new every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me?